This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus' name. So let's go to it. He says here, praise the Lord. Can't start out any better than that, right? That, that is what we show up to do. And, and I'm going to tell you, I, I'll brag on y'all a little bit. That is something that we do. We, we do it really well. We, we've got a group of people that are excited about worshiping God. And uh, let me tell you something, that builds an environment. And let me tell you something, it's a spiritual environment that's built in a place and, and it remains in that place. And I'll tell you this, that uh, yesterday morning, Pastor Terry and I were even talking about this, uh, that place, you could feel the Holy Spirit when you walked in the back door. When you walked in, you could feel the Holy Spirit was already there preparing and getting ready for us to worship God because the Holy Spirit's whole purpose is to point us to Jesus. And Jesus' whole purpose is to glorify his Father. And so uh, when the Holy Spirit's there, that means there's a movement toward uh, a God and a powerful movement toward God. And praise the Lord. He says, praise the Lord, O my soul. And that's really, we do participatory worship. We, we give people opportunity to, to sing, to, to uh, spend time at the altar, to raise hands, to enjoy the presence of God. But ultimately, God uh, desires our worship to be, it's not just the physical, but it's deep in our heart and our mind and our soul. And so uh, worship is all about, worship is all about your soul connecting with the Holy Spirit and allowing your new human spirit placed in you by the Holy Spirit uh, to guide you and to connect you. And God was, God is absolutely desirous of knowing you personally and knowing you intimately and in Him. And the way we do that is with our soul. It's with our intellect and our passion. It's with our emotion and our mind. And both of those things are very important because they're who you are. Oftentimes, as men, we wanted to say women are all emotional and women want to say, men, you don't even care about anything. The truth is <clears throat> we should not ever diminish. As a man, you should not ever diminish your emotion so that you can just focus on your intellect. And for a woman, you should never, ever allow your emotion to overcome what God's placed in you and your intellect. And there are very emotional men and they're very intellectual women. And when we're dealing with all these issues, you should always place great emphasis because there are two aspects of who you are. You should place great em em emphasis on your emotion and your intellect. You ought to be emotional. You ought to be intellectual. And you ought to, and you ought to care and meet God in the emotional and the intellectual, in the mind, and, and really, if you think about it, our worship service broke into two parts so that we can feed both sides. The singing part of, of the worship service is for the, is to touch base with your emotions, is to reach out and allow your emotional heart to connect with God. And then the, the preaching portion of the service or the digging in the word portion of the service is for your, is for your mind and is for to, to stimulate and direct your intellectual side. 
And so when you're doing all these things and you're really just chasing after God, you need to chase after him with your whole heart, with your soul, with your mind, with your heart. Um, he says, if I live, I will praise the Lord. <clears throat> I will sing praises to my God. While I live, I will praise the Lord. While I'm alive, that's what I'm going to do. Um, making that absolutely for sure in your life will utterly change who you are because it orders your life. When you say, I'm going to worship God for the rest of my life, I am going, there's no turning back. When I do that, then your life all of a sudden finds order that it never found before. And I, I, you really need to know that. Your life finds order that it never found before. It says, I will sing praises to God while I have my being. I will sing praises to God while I have my being. Um, do not put your trust in princes. Now he's saying here, don't put yourself, don't put your trust in people of the world. Now, <clears throat> we can love people of the world. We're supposed to love people of the world. The Bible says we should. We should absolutely be a part of their lives and deal with them. We absolutely should care about those who are in authority over us and all those things. We should do all that kind of stuff but we should not place our trust in human beings because they are flawed and sinful. We should not play. I can't say that enough. Don't place your trust in a human being. Not one of them, not a single one of them, not your, not do not your trust in your hope is in the Lord and your love is for people. Your trust and hope is, is in the Lord and you love him. And because you trust him and you, you love, him, you can't do the, both. You can't place your trust and hope and people and expect to enjoy life and you and god will have no you can't serve two masters you can't love people and you can't place your hope in people trust people faith people and faith god because people will let you down and then you act then you'll feel like god's let you down and god hadn't let you down you just placed your trust in a human being and that includes your pastor, that includes your any spiritual leader that you have, that includes your parents, that includes your any close personal relationship. Don't place your trust in them. Place your trust in God and then love them. He says, do not, I, I, I do not put your trust in princes, nor in the son of man in whom there is no help. That kind of speaks for itself, that, that there re no real help comes from, real relationship comes from them. Uh, goodness comes from loving people. Fulfillment comes from loving people. But trusting, placing your hope and your trust in them, your faith in them, it doesn't. It doesn't bring about that. He says, his spirit departs. He returns to the earth. What he's saying is he died. People are limited. They are limited. He says, in that very day, his plans perish. And when we place our trust in human beings, we fail ourselves because our trust has to be in God. People are limited. People are fine. People pass on and move away. People's uh, hearts turn toward other things. And as well as I do, you've had really close friends and you were, you were close friends because you were involved in the same thing at the same moment. But the minute that thing moved on, the thing that the minute that thing was over, the minute that thing ended, the friendship faded quickly. Not so with God. Not so with God. With God, the relationship, the purpose, the life, it moves on and on. And that's why when God uses the relationship, relationships in life to picture his relationship with us, the primary relationships a husband and wife. Why? Because they have common goals and common direction, common purpose. And no matter what the situations of life are, they have to deal with those situations and walk through life together. 
So it is a perfect picture of our relationship with him. We walk through life with him together. He says, happy is he who has the God of Jacob for his help. <clears throat> Notice when a person seeks out God for help and he seeks out the God of Jacob, he's, well, he's happy. He's, he has joy. He says, whose hope is in the Lord, his God. Notice we're placing our faith in him and not we're not, not anywhere else. He said, who made the heaven and earth. Now, now he's saying, giving us a reason why we place our hope in God. He says, because he's the author of heaven and earth. He's, he's the one who, he's the creator. He's the one who made that happen. He's the one who has the power to the universe. He says, the sea and all that's in them, who keeps truth forever. Notice, going back to what we were talking about earlier, I read from Martin Luther King. I'll go back to it and read it real quick. He says, a just law is a man-made code that squares with the moral law. A just law, and a law made by man, is a man-made code and the, what makes it just is it squares with moral law. When I, when I read this, when I look at this, it says he keeps the truth forever. Where does moral law come from? It comes from God. Moral law comes from God. Some people call it natural law. Martin Luther King called it moral law there. But as you go through it, as you look at it, as your moral law is, it's just, it's right. Same thing with God. I can trust him because truth comes from him. He says, who executes judgment for the oppressed. Notice, justice for the oppressed. Same thing, that was what Martin Luther King was dealing with. But th that's what we all, we're all oppressed and he takes care of us. He, he sets things right for us. And those who walk in expectation of that generally receive that because they place their trust in God. He says, who gives food to the hungry, the Lord gives freedom to the prisoner. <clears throat> What a great psalm to read on. It's almost like God knew that we would read this psalm on Martin Luther King's holiday. He says, who executes justice for the oppressed, who gives food to the hungry. The Lord gives freedom to the prison. He sets us free. He sets us free from our own bondage of sin. He sets us free from uh, the pains of this world. He sets us free from the from the worries of life. He sets us free. Uh, he sets us free from the uh from the uh, pain of our past. He, he sets us free from all the things that hold us back. He said, the Lord opens the eyes of the blind. I'm telling you, sometimes God's word fits together like a glove, like you would not believe. He, does he not? We talked about yesterday, the three times in scripture where it really Scripture focuses in on three individuals who are made, who are blind, but made to see by Jesus. Each one, the way Jesus gave them their sight back, was very unique and very different, and yet they had some very cool commonalities to them. I mean, what can I say? This is foretold from times past. He says, the Lord opens the eyes of the blind. The reason that Jews believe that if you made the blind see, if you could make a lame person walk, and if you could raise the dead, the reason they believe that is because Scripture indicated it. Now, it didn't spell that out the way they had it spelled out, but Scripture indicated it. Who does? Who makes the blind see? Well, the Lord does. The Lord raises those who are bowed down. And, and that, I really need to focus on that just for a second, because we talked about that yesterday, going to the altar and prostrating or bowing down or kneeling before God. Very powerful for you. Very powerful for you. I know you think, well, that's just symbolic. I can bow in my heart. And you can. And I'm not saying you can't. But let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. There's something powerful about worshiping God, not only in your heart, but that being reflected outwardly in your body. You could say, well, I'm singing in my heart, but you're not singing out loud. 
you're missing out on a PowerPoint. I'm just telling you, you're missing out on, on a point of power. If you could say, I'm raising my hands and my heart. I'm going to tell you, I, I know this from experience, and I know this because it's very important. If God leads you to lift your hands up, practice it. It's an Old Testament word for worship. It's the word yada, to, to thrust your hands in the air. And it's an aspect of worship. And, and shouting is too. Shouting praise the Lord and hallelujah. And being expressive that way is a powerful uh, way to worship God. And finally, really cool is that time when God really speaks to your situation in life, really speaks to where you're at, really speaks to what is going on with you and gives you clear direction. And you go to that altar and you say, I hear you, God, and I trust you, God, and I'm going to do what you say. Um, wow. Very powerful place to be. Uh, a very humbling place to be, and yet a very uplifting and joyous place to be. And so I would encourage you, encourage you, encourage you to go to the altar if God ever speaks to you. And if he never speaks to you, I'd encourage you to go to the altar so that you hear from him. Very powerful and always powerful. The Lord watches over. The, um, he says, the Lord raises those who are bowed down. The Lord loves the righteous. Now, remember, righteousness is not by works, but by faith. He loves those who place their faith in him. A righteousness and eternal righteousness comes from trusting God. He says, the Lord watches over the strangers. Notice God cares about those that we do not know. Uh, God cares about ju not just us, but he cares about those who we do not know. And he loves them with an everlasting love, the same as us. He relieves the fatherless and the widow. And that's, uh, if you go to James, uh, James chapter one and <clears throat> study that, you realize that James says, if you're going to be religious, and he does not say be religious, because being religious is practicing some standards in order to get a relationship with God. It means it means uh, living by some kind of code in order to have a relationship with God. And we understand that we don't have to live by a code to have a relationship with God, but that's provided for by God through his son, Jesus Christ. And so our relationship is born of the finished work of Jesus Christ and not ourselves. But he said, if you're going to be religious, religion doesn't have to do with building yourself up and making yourself look as if you're godly. Religion has to do with taking care of the widow and the orphan. And if, if, if you want to be religious, the real religion is taking care of those who cannot take care of themselves. That's true religion. True religion is taking care of the widow and the orphan. He says, and that's what verse nine is talking about, but the way of the wicked, he turns upside down. I like that, don't you? I'm glad he does that. <clears throat> Not because I don't like to love the people who are walking in wickedness, but because if he doesn't turn you upside down, you don't realize you're in trouble. A lot of times we, if, if God didn't turn me upside down, I wouldn't realize I was walking the wrong way. If, if God didn't turn me around, I'd be wandering off into nothingness. And so I praise God that he does. Yeah, uh, That's an act of love by taking the way of the wicked and turning it upside down. It's a way of love and it's a way of goodness. He says, the Lord shall reign forever. He's an eternal God. He's sovereign forever. As I talk about the way of happiness and hope and life through this song, I understand that the truth is that way starts with God. It The whole way through has God right in the middle of it. And then it ends with him because he reigns forever. You God, O Zion, to all generations. Praise the Lord. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you, and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.